Hey there, I'm Naomi Sneakers and this is the firecracker department. Well, you are in for a treat today because here is one of my favorite people. I mean, they're all my favorite people. Who's kidding who? But this gal is the tops. It's Bette McDonald, who has been my friend and colleague on Mr. D for six years. She's the best. We still call each other if we have a scene the next day and run lines just so that we're raring to go when we're on set. And I love that about her. She's always ready to work hard. Last summer, while we were shooting, I asked her to come over to my hotel room so we could record this podcast. And we just had this great, like, real talk about the business and about how she decided to stay in Cape Breton early in her career, about her alter ego, Mary Morrison, and the power of standing up for yourself. It was just awesome. She's a rum and coke girl for sure, but she's also super profesh. And so we didn't drink during this podcast, but we did have snacks because there should always be snacks. You're going to have a great time listening to this because I am such a huge fan of hers. Here we go. This is Bette McDonald. The first time I, since I just saw the Summertime Review yeah. last night, yeah. I will say that the first time I did that show was 1987. And, and was that like your first been, thing? It was, uh, it was my first big deal show. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've done lots of plays and things like that and performed live, you know, since single digits. Right. But this was, you know, this was showbiz, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, your dressing yeah. room. Oh, yeah, dressing room just for myself and four other women. <laughs> That's right. Separated by a curtain. A curtain, yeah. a very fancy curtain. <laughs> Are you um, particular about your dressing room? Not at all. Okay. I did do a show once with uh, two guys, and I can't tell you who they are because of this story. Oh, my God. It's big. It's like R.H. Thompson and... Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's pretend that it is. Okay. But we, uh, there's the two guys and me, and we played in a venue where there were two dressing rooms. And the guy, one of the guys was so particular that I had to share a dressing room with, with the other guy. Yeah, and I was the first name on the program. Boo. Yeah, yeah. But you know how some people set up their dressing room, like they have everything specific and they have a little towel down and then they yeah. put their good luck charms <laughs> and their pictures up and then I'd come in there and be like, blah. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to finish up this sub. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's just an onion tuna sub. Uh, so born in Cape Breton. Born in Cape Breton, yeah. And you stayed there. A hundred years ago, yeah. I had a meeting with a manager. And uh, he asked, what do you want from your career? And I said, I want to uh, be a Canadian actor who lives in Cape Breton. And at first I thought he was going to say, well... Sorry. <laughs> Have a nice day. And, uh, but, but he didn't. Yes. Yeah. And I still work with that company. Oh. And, you know, I'm working and living in Cape Breton. So you did I feel, it. I feel very fortunate. Yeah. It's not like I was shooting the moon here, but, but I'm very glad that it worked out the way it did. Yeah. And you haven't suffered for it. Like, your career has been full. Yeah. It continues I, to. I call my career a compact career because I'm not famous but I work a lot. Right. Know? Well, although if you walk around Halifax, we can't go anywhere without somebody going, oh my God, it's Oh my God, Mr. McDonald, Mr. McDonald. Yeah, they're pro- they're pro- what they're probably saying is, she's so much older. No. <laughs> no. No, but that's the other thing. I've been watching, this is the thing, we've known each other for like seven years. Yeah. And eight so, years. Eight years. Because we did two. Right. Oh, that's right. So Mr. D shot two pilots eight years ago. But yeah. so you think, oh yeah, I know Bet a little bit. We have great 
discussions yeah. every season. And then I start researching you, and I'm like, I didn't know you did that, and that, and that, and this really? is great. Oh, my God, I'm so... I start getting like a little starstruck seeing Are you, you because you learn how to play the cello with a symphony. Uh, yes, but that was ext- what I learned. Was, it was very limited. It was very specific. I can play some notes on exactly one song to Sir with Love. It's a great song, what? but still, I won't be um, I won't be joining a symphony anytime soon. But you you like I mean you're ballsy, right? You just you just did that. You sang well, with a symphony. Some might call it ballsy. Some might call it irresponsible. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I don't think anybody would call cello playing irresponsible. Like. Well, do you know, they, that show, the, the really irresponsible thing was, <laughs> this, and this makes no sense in the grand scheme of yeah. things, but I like the opera, so I decided that I wanted to do this bit where I sing from Don Giovanni, La Ci Darem La Mano, which is this, this duet where right. Don Giovanni is seducing this virgin, basically who's about to be married. And I wanted to do a, my thing was that the guy playing Don Giovanni doesn't show up. So I have to sing both Great. parts of this Great. thing. Great. So I did it. I it was hugely fun. Yeah. I loved it, but it took me like a year to learn it. Yeah. Is it I'm a popular now, song? Like, would we recognize it? Uh, like a, I, not necessarily. Okay. If, you're, if you're like opera, you probably right. would, you know. And, but it was it was so much fun, and I loved it, and I found it rewarding. And I thought, I don't know that people would necessarily see that as time well spent for this little three minute piece. I don't and know. And I've never done it again. I keep thinking, you know, it's like you buy a dress and you think, well, I'll get some wear out of that. This is not a dress that I'm going to get a lot of wear out of. Until now, until somebody <laughs> hears this and be like, we got to get her for that. <laughs> oh, I hope so. But that's those. Um, comedy investments right when you see mm-hmm. like a shot in a film that obviously costs thousands and thousands yes. of dollars for like one joke and you're like yeah if it's for the joke and if it works it's worth it totally worth it yeah absolutely so then growing up in cape breton like you have you always been funny like where did you get your funny from well our family is funny yeah i'm not you got ed ed Oh He's hilarious. God. He is hysterically funny. He yeah. wrote most of the show I saw last night. Yeah. Everything landed. Everything, you know. He's one like after a joke another. machine. He's one of those people that you're like, ah, oh, I need something here. And he's like, here's the perfect here joke. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's my favorite writer. Yeah. My favorite comedy writer by far. Yeah. So your whole family's funny. They're all funny. The fun, And we all agree that the funniest uh, of the siblings, he's not in our business, you know. He's doing something else. But What's he doing? He's a lawyer. That's hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. He's a hoot McCorp. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but he, um, when, uh, when we were young and to this day, uh, funny is great currency in our family. Yeah. You know? It is. And it's when we, when we get around a table, it's like, you know, bing, bing, bing. It's really is. Yeah. I sit quietly a lot of the time to tell you the truth because they're all so, so funny. How many, how many siblings? There are five of us all together. And what about your folks? Were they in the arts at all? Um, my, a lot of music in my mother's family. Yeah. Not in my father's, but they're, they're all really sharp, funny, you know, sarcasm is very welcome in our crowd. Yes. Yes. But yeah. And there was a great love of art in the family. Yeah. Yeah. And so then growing up, Cape Breton gal, was there ever a doubt that you would go into acting? Like, were you ever like, oh, I'm going to choose something else? Or was it always acting? It was always that. Wow. When we were little, little kids, 
I was extremely lucky. When we were little um, single digits, I used to force my friends <laughs> to take part in shows. <laughs> just I was, like now with, just with like the cabarets. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But I was Florence Ziegfeld, you know, and I would get, I would make the whole show happen and then I would, uh, <laughs> now that when I think back on it, I think what a horrible child, but I would get the other, you know, give the other, my friends lesser roles. Right. <laughs> And then away we're going. You know, my mother, I have a clear image of my mother and other women in the neighborhood standing in the basement watching this show, which I'm sure was fabulous. And, you know, they've got 600 other things that they should be yeah. doing, but yeah. they're standing there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. excellent, girls. Move it along, girls. Move yeah. it along. Yeah. An hour pace, later. Pace. Yeah. So you produced these, you were a producer from the early I age. I was a producer, yes. Yeah. And so when you. Were in high school, did you do, were you like the lead all the time and everything? No, I was too shy. Really? Well, here's how crazy this is. Stupid, really, I suppose it is. There's so many performers that are shy. Yeah, what I'm, is that? I don't know, I'm shocked. It's just a, one of nature's cruel jokes. <laughs> but I was, uh, and my mother, by the way, always said, she. there was never, um, no, you should do something sensible. My father did say that. He yeah. wanted me to be a nurse. And I'm thinking, now, like, should thank your lucky stars, Kate Breton, that that didn't. <laughs> but my mother always said, "No, if you you want to be an actor, then that's what you have to do." Yeah, there was no question in her mind. Was there pushback with your dad? Like, was there um, loggerheads about it? Not, not a whole, a little, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like he couldn't understand, he couldn't understand the desire to take that kind of risk. He thought yeah. it was risky. Yeah. And he's like oh, all parents. He wants you to be secure and, and safe. And not my mother. Like, you go for it. <laughs> Don't be safe. <laughs> and thank goodness. You yeah. Know, thank goodness she did. Uh, so you, but you were too shy in high school. I didn't those. audition for anything. I was painfully shy. I would go to watch. I would go with my friend, who was, a, you know, a real showman, and go and watch him rehearse. And this is terrible. But I remember standing and watching them in rehearsal, thinking, well. I could do a better job on that role. <laughs> and so did that inspire you? Uh, it, I, it must have on some level, but I was still, for quite a while, I was still too, too all through high school, I didn't do a single thing on, wow. except in the drama classes. I eventually would do little things there. Like what? We would just do little scenes and yeah. things. And then when I, you know, when you find out that someone aside from your family members uh, think you're funny... That's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, I can't get enough of that. Oh, gosh, that's a drug, hey? So did you, was there a moment where you're like, i got to put my shyness to the side and do this? Um, I don't, I don't think that was ever a decision. No, it just happened. Because that has never changed. I still am. I think sometimes people think that uh, I worry, I've, no one has ever said this to me, but sometimes I worry that people are, will think I'm standoffish. But it's not that. I'm oh no! Shy. Nobody says that about you. Oh good! I'm no. glad. I would. I would hate that. <laughs> oh my god! They they couldn't say any more opposite than that. Good. Um, and so in, then, was there a moment like that you knew, like that moment of tipping point where you knew you were going to be an actress, like as a profession? I truly feel like I I had always. You just knew that. that. I, I, yeah. That's such an account, like what a confidence to have. It's an odd, yeah. Because I, on the one hand, had zero confidence. Maybe it's that I knew that I was not qualified to do anything else. 
But well, I loved it so much. I loved performing so much. I knew that that would have to, that it would have to be that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, back in people's careers where they have those tipping points of like, nope, this is what I got to do. And they quit their Joe job and they buckle down. But yeah, like, there was what never a, any other job. That's amazing. What yeah. a treat. I had a couple of little, you know, job jobs when I was younger, but. Yeah. Like what? Are you ready? I am for sure. At the racetrack. I sold bets at the racetrack. I was at a, a counter thing. Did they go bets for bet? I know they should have. They should right? have. In hindsight. But that's the producer talking. <laughs> yes. Right? right. <laughs> but I, I can't believe that my parents let that happen. But I was at the racetrack. People going, I'll have, you know, I'll have three on number seven. <laughs> it was fantastic. I was probably 16. Oh, my gosh. You know? And I got, I don't know how old I was. I have no, my memory is terrible. But it was around there. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And um, it was great. It, it was, I thought it was uh, very glamorous in a way. So and romantic, I, was, I guess. It kind of is. Yeah. And, but I was torn because <laughs> I'm a complete animal lover. So I didn't like the fact that they were racing the horses, but I <laughs> love the idea of selling the bets. Yeah. Oh, my God, how weird is that? I know, the jobs that we've done. What was the, what's, what's the weirdest job you've ever done? Um... Oh, I did a lot because I I kind of fought the idea of becoming an did actress. You? Yeah, like it wasn't as clear for me as that it was for you. I thought I better make sure I'm gonna be okay. I always thought it was a hobby, and then I remember wow. like even getting into theater school. I remember thinking, no, I gotta make sure I have other things to do. <laughs> and then as soon as I started theater school, I was like, there's nothing else. All right, I want to do. Yeah, um, isn't that wow? I never would have uh, guessed that about you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so when you left high school and you mm-hmm. like you knew you were going to stay in Cape Breton the whole time or did you ever thought in your mind like because I know you go to New York a lot yes and I, I wonder it. if that's in your brain ever it's like I gotta move to New York and become an actress in New York no oh no I, there were when I was younger there were times that I thought um well I should do what an actor does go to Toronto audition for things and then you know yeah. decide what happens after that but I realized very early on, and I'm not sure what those moments were that made me understand this, but I knew that I wasn't going to get the kind of roles that I wanted because I'm not the ingenue. I, I didn't want to play somebody's funny friend for the rest of my life in shows yeah. that I love, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. not what I wanted to do. Yeah, you wanted to be the lead in the basement. Pretty much. Your, with yeah. your, with Once you are the friends. lead in your own show, it's really difficult to move on from that. Well, I want to hear about um, how the Bet Show started. Like, you had your own show, which I watched a whole bunch of clips Did of. you really? It's so funny, and you're so... You are so yourself. Like, I didn't yeah. imagine oh, anything good. else. Like, when you come out and do your opening monologue, I'm like, that's just Bet talking to her buddies. And then right. your characters, I'm like, that's just Bet <laughs> doing Bet stuff. Like, it's so authentic in you. It's oh, really good. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I'm glad you think that way. Yeah. yeah. I how, loved it. I loved it. How many seasons did that go? I think we did, like, a couple of six-packs or something. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. But that came from the stage show, the live show that Ed and I did. And Ed wrote the bulk of that. And was that called the Bet Show? Uh, no, we had different names. We would do different versions of it over the years. Right. And was yeah. Tim, because Tim Steves was involved in the Bet Show. Yes, that happened because Ed and Tim worked together on This Hour's 22 Minutes. They oh. were writers on that. Great. But now, how did that transition then? You had a live show, and then did CBC. It was a CBC show, right? 
at to- you know Mike Volpe. Yes, and I Thompson do. I know. Yes. <laughs> they well. came to see the live show, and it sort of went from there. No they decided kidding. that they wanted to do it. Yeah. I had no idea you've known Mike that long. We go way, way back. Yeah. yeah. He's the only guy who would, I think would ever give me work in television. Well, I don't think that's the truth at all, because uh, you have obviously done a myriad of things. You did well. I want to talk about that show first, but yeah. Um, so, so you just started developing your show with Ed and yes. Tim. Primarily Were there other writers? with Ed. Yeah, yeah. Ed was main writer. I think they both wrote. Yeah, Ed could answer this better than I, but um, primarily he yes wrote it. Yeah, there wasn't writers' room or anything. It was just all. It was probably all stuff that you had from your stage yes. too that you're sort of Which pulling he, in he wrote the bulk of Such I only wrote a little then and then there was a transition when he basically said you you can write these shows I was like ah come on and I can't just because I hadn't you yeah know? and he said no no you can and then he moved on and did his thing and then I started writing them were you were you scared to write them like I wasn't scared to I always sort of felt that it was his uh. area and he was so good at it why would you? Why, yeah. But now, of course, I love it. Yeah. You're but such a prolific writer now. You like... Who'd have thunk? Well, <laughs> necessity breeds, right? It like, certainly does, yeah. So, um, how was that filming of that, like, the Bet Show? Was that, uh, was it challenging? Because there weren't a lot of female lead shows at the time. Mm-hmm. And not to talk female-centric at all, but, like, yeah. that... that couldn't have been um, easy because it must have been challenges with uh, facing yes. pushback. It was challenging. It wasn't, um, I don't think I'm entirely comfortable being uh, number one on a call sheet. I can tell you that, honestly. And yet when you were a child. Uh, yeah, that's all I wanted. Step aside, everybody. Yeah. But, you know, you change. I certainly couldn't uh, see myself doing that now. Why not? I like the very thing that I was trying to avoid. I like being someone's funny friend now. Right. Right? Well, it's way more fun. It is fun. I like playing uh, I like playing somebody who's not nice all the time. You yeah. Know? You do it really well. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Trudy's such a funny character in Miss Trudy. Uh, but that's true. Like, if you look at um, shows, when you see the leads are the, usually the the informants like they have to carry yes. the information and they have to hold the weight of the story yep. whereas the funny friend can come in and make fun of the story be hilarious and yeah. then go uh, to lunch but with Bet Show you were allowed to do both right because yes. Ed and you shared such a great dynamics of that yep. and that was the easy part of doing that you know but there um, what I found probably more doing live stuff than television actually was that um, there was this assumption when I found working with men back in those days there was they always assumed that they were right I'm just going to make sure this is being recorded I just had a panic oh. go on go on <laughs> um, there was uh, it's still an interesting conversation yeah no, it's still Naomi, delightful it's not. <laughs> but uh, I sort of had to fight my way in a little bit when I was working with the guys. In what way? Like into the into the writer's room? Just stuff? to be heard. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. And just to be heard. Just to have my ideas. But, I was that, told in show. a... But this was before my show. This is when I was involved in, you know, the review and right. other shows. I was told once in a meeting with uh, these guys, uh, one of the guys said, I think you should just settle down. 
I'll never forget that. What? If I live to be 150, I will remember hearing that from oh this Oh, my God, guy. I hope you don't live that long. It's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be a tough <laughs> length of time. Yes, um, a long well, time to carry that. So how did you deal with that? Um, I Once I got over the shock of someone saying something yeah. like that, I, I think I decided then that uh, being perceived as being nice is not as important as being heard. So I'm not going to sit back and be uh, polite about that, and I never have been since that time. That's I'm not great. I love that. Yeah? yeah. Yeah, because I think it's hard. I think we want to be nice. Yeah, like, I like myself as a nice person. So as soon yep. as I start to find myself not being nice, I'm like, oh, but yeah. I also don't always get hurt. Yeah, I think that there has to be a little bit of a trade. You have to trade some of the nice mm -hmm. to get to to get your two cents in how did you get your elbows up I think that happens gradually right mm -hmm. so even now if you find yourself like having to telling having somebody tell you to settle down how do you deal with that because <laughs> I get so shocked when somebody yeah. speaks to me like that that I don't have a good comeback until like two days later yeah. when I'm like oh I got it <laughs> no you <laughs> the room's empty oh my god <laughs> Empty coffee cup. That's right. um, d now it's very, very different. The stakes have all changed. Uh, once you um, once you don't need uh, something from somebody anymore, your relationship, the whole dynamic changes very, very quickly. Boy, does it. And uh, I'm at the point now, and I think I thank uh, my age mostly for that, that I just don't accept that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. But it's still shocking to hear it. But you hear it less and less, I find. There, you, but you, other issues uh, come to the fore, and that is you, uh, when you get older, people don't see you as well as they did before. Mm -hmm. So you have to uh, up your volume sometimes. Yeah, like how, well, how, how's that transition? Because to me, like, you're just a powerhouse. Like, I think that regardless if you're doing anything, you're just prominent in the room. Even if it's a scene at, on Mr. D where... You're not like talking. I'm still like, what's she gonna do? What's she gonna do? Because it's always interesting, <laughs> dealing with the idea of, as you said, like being, like the idea of aging and disappearing. Right. Like, yeah. how do you deal with that? Mostly, I don't think about it, but it it's only an issue when uh, when someone else makes it an issue. Right. So so most of the time it does it's not there. What it is is every once in a while I will get a little reminder, like, oh my god, I'm not twenty two. Yeah anymore yeah. even though everything inside you still feels that yeah for me that number is 18 for some reason yeah i know there's you know? an age isn't there? yeah. yeah so every once in a while i get the a little reminder like oh my god and then uh there's a momentary panic and then of course it goes away because you realize it's ridiculous yeah it probably helps also that you've got this fella in your life maynard who's yes. who's like treats you like you're the star of every oh, show that you're in you know like in every room that you're in too he's he's so oh, delightful he's uh, i'm i'm incredibly fortunate yeah but so is he you guys make such a lovely team and i i'm sure like that has uh, a lot yeah, to do like with you your and Matt. yeah like it's a pretty special special team yeah. as you said we're very lucky I mean, grow because when did you meet you, you and Mater? Because you worked um, a lot with him on stage during the review. We were friends for a long, long time before mm -hmm. we ever got together. And do you see that as supporting um, the strength of your career? Yes, 
in what way? Do, well, I, what happens, I think, when you're with the right person is that you, um, I think it's very, I think it's very different when you're uh, on your own and doing this and, and with, especially someone who's in the same business and understands the business, there's great support, mm -hmm. you know? I remember when I was on my own, there was, um, the, the whole feel of it was different, you know? The stakes were a little bit higher. I was, I didn't get married till I was 35. Yes, so, Kate Breton, that must have been late. <laughs> oh my God, yes, dear. I was one of the last. My, uh, yeah, Tinder's crowd. not busy out there, hey? Tinder's a pretty slow business. <laughs> That's right, and I think that's probably a good thing, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Maynard's completely supportive. This is what I wanted to say. What happens is, when you have someone to uh, remind you about what's important, you get a great life-work balance. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the greatest gifts from Maynard is... The reminder daily that life is way more important than anything else, than any job, than anything. Was it ever unbalanced the other way for you? Yeah, it was. I just want, you know, I work, I, it wasn't bad. I just wanted to work all the time and then I wanted to do get this job and what's my next job. And I realized if you're always looking at the next job, you're not in this one. And I want... Uh, I want the joy from this. Whatever job I'm doing, I want every little bit of joy from that. I want to, I want to have that. Yeah, I love that. And if you could tell me what the hell I'm talking about, no, I, I love would that. Appreciate that. I absolutely understand. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Because we work so hard to get yeah. these things, and then mm -hmm. it's gone in a flash. Yes. And if yeah. we're not gonna sh like express or experience the victories of it, then we're yeah. kind of effed. Like yeah. Like, Mr. D's been six seasons. Yeah. And I still remember, like, the first scene with Jono of the first pilot. Like, I still relish these things. I yeah. celebrate it. For That's sure. great. That's great. So, and, I, and I mean, you know, everybody does need the next job, and you have to look for it. You sure. have to, but it's great to have someone who just says, wait a second, why don't we just sit down and enjoy the fact that this is happening? And Maynard does that. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you find out your different roles? as you created these Christmas shows? It, we just sort of uh, realized who was good at what. Yeah. And we just, we have a, a kind of a, uh, just a, a basic understanding. Yeah. Maynard's a logistics guy. He gets, Maynard's a great business guy, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, I know what I'm good at and it, everything sort of just fell into place. We're pretty easy to get along with and I think yeah. that helps. We're not threatened <clears throat> by the other. And you never had power struggles? We don't have power struggles. Ever? I know how crazy that sounds. <laughs> it does sound super crazy. But no, we haven't. It's amazing. And I think that's mostly down to Maynard, to tell you the truth. He's 10 years older than I am. He's, and he's he pretty will, chill. He is so chill. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, he's he's got a great understanding. His whole family is like this. They have a great understanding of priority. They know what's important. They know they pick their battles and... Most of the time, Maynard's pretty clever too. He will, um, you know, he'll he'll give up a, uh, you know, a, a battle, and then f I, he calls himself a main chancer too. He'll figure out a way to get his way. <laughs> He's so, no fool, Maynard. That's how you do a power struggles. He's still figuring out to get yeah. his way. You're like, I didn't notice any power right struggles. Wait a second. <laughs> um, so after the bed show, were you like, was that hard to let go of that after? Mm. No, I don't. I don't really have. I think the hard one to let go of will be this one, Mr. D. Yeah, I do. 
Why do you I think love that? doing this show. Yeah. You know, when you're performing live, you rely so heavily, of course, on the, the other people on stage, but the relationship with the audience is so big and powerful. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. But I find doing television, it's really about the who you're standing next to in the scene, of course, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So all these relationships, uh, professional and personal, I value those a lot. And I think I'm going to miss this show when it's gone. Yeah. I mean, there's no... Everybody's so good yet, at what they do. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's I like, hope it goes on and on. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And the characters are so beautifully defined now with us, by the yeah. writers that we all have our voices. and Yeah. Love yeah. that. Such yeah. good writers. Yeah, oh, really good. So Rito Hall, was that, uh, how was that experience as far as uh, creatively? Um, it... What I think, honestly, is that... <laughs> well, time has passed, right? Yeah. We, we learn from our experiences. We do. They, I loved the idea of it so much that... Um, as I think that... What was the idea for you? Of it, what was the idea you loved? Like, the idea of the I loved show? That, the idea of the character and that whole thing happening, becoming yeah. the governor general. And uh, I, I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. And uh, I still love that idea. But then I, I sort of felt like things sort of fell by the wayside. You know, some of the, some of the original ideas didn't stay. Why do you think that happened? I have no idea, because I wasn't involved in the writing of yeah. that one at all. I've never, been a, I've never written for television, really. Do you think you will? Um, I don't see it happening anytime <laughs> soon. No, Why not? Nobody's offering me television writing jobs. But would you ever put a show together? And um, I mean, Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't... Uh, say no to that yeah no not at all I would do that it feels like you're the muscle of writing although maybe you didn't start it early like it's such a tuned muscle now for you because of yeah. the Christmas show yeah and deadlines like that like even when you had a break you're like well I have a break I might as well write a book like what <laughs> like that seems like the last thing that I would think of doing on a break but you were writing a book it wasn't War and Peace, though. I mean, you know, this was... It uh, was somebody's War and Peace. Somebody's <laughs> reading Mary Morrison's book and thinking oh, right. that's War and Peace. How did that book come up, come about? Uh, did somebody ask you to do it? Someone suggested it a couple of years ago. Somebody who worked at uh, Nimbus Publishing. Yeah. And uh, it takes me years to actually get around to doing something. Yeah. And that's what happened there. It took a long, long time. Then I finally, once you have a solid deadline, that's a great gift, that. And yeah. then you just buckle down and get it done. Was it stressful to write that book? I didn't find it stressful because I love I love the, uh, the solitary nature of writing. I love being alone in, in my office and tapping away. Yeah. And I love when you have to go off and research a little something. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Like, what would you research for oh, Mary Morrison's book? Oh, for um, uh, the, <laughs> it's very deep. The what the actual items were on the twelve days of Christmas. I was like, ah, what in the name of God are people? I can and, see you singing the song. Oh God, yeah. yes, it was ridiculous. And you know, I'll be writing in uh, August, and in the background is silent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy exercise that was. I loved it though, and I wrote poetry for <laughs> that crazy book. Yeah. Like, because you could make it whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah, I was completely free, which I appreciated very much. Mind you, if they didn't like it, they would have just turned it down flat, I suppose. No, it sold, sold well, didn't it? Like it did. First, it, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it still it continues to. Out. Yeah, I was very yeah, I was very lucky. Yeah. Um, set me up with your writing uh, 
place? Like, do you have a desk? Do you... Yeah, I've gone like? all fancy now. All right. My office, up until a few months ago, was made up of... It's a nice room. It has a couple of windows, you know, but it always... the Furniture-wise, it was whatever was left over. Mm-hmm. And my desk was a big pine table. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing fancy about this room. And then I thought... I'm spending months of my life in here. Yeah. See, it took me how many years to figure this out? Yeah. And so I got, I bought an actual desk. And is it one of those like big oak? It has a, like a it's a, yes, it has a marble top. Wow. It's very fancy. Yeah, it's like you brought the Rito <laughs> Hall to you. Yeah. <laughs> if someone else would walk in this room and think, yeah, it's pretty basic. <laughs> but for me, this is very Anything fancy. that's not Ikea, it's fancy. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. But I love it. I have, you know, my book shelves in there. Tons of pictures of uh, all the kids in our family. Yeah. Siblings. It's a great, I can just swing around in my chair and look at everybody and think, if I don't write a whole lot today, I still have all of this. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. But that's all based on your character, Mary Morrison, yeah? The book is in her voice, yeah. for the most part. And where did she come from? She came straight out of my childhood. My Uncle Joe R. and Aunt Kay... Uh, going to church, we were raised Catholic-ish, <laughs> so we'd go to church, and uh, these women would be, and men would be in church, and I would just, what else was I going to do? So I'd sit and <laughs> look around and study them and watch them. Yeah. And I got the voice from a man that was a friend of my father's, and uh, he... I love that you got a, a voice for a woman from a man. <laughs> yeah, I always call it, you know, it's the Frankenstein method. I got mm-hmm. the feet from, you know, this person and that person. But this guy used to call the house and we were, you know, one of us would answer the phone and he'd say, yeah, he'd start everything. Yeah, yeah, is your, fa- is your father there? And we'd say, one moment, please. And then cover the thing and start pissing ourselves <laughs> laughing. Everything was, yeah, 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 yeah. He'd repeat things. So his... Listening to his voice on the phone is where I got the character voice. For Does he phone. know? No idea. No, nobody knows when you do that, right? No. They're always the last to know. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Because you're not doing it to be mean, but you need a voice, so. <laughs> so sorry, but yours is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because she's you. actually, this like your character's become, she's quite political, too. Well, do you know what I, the reason for the character was that, um, you realize at some point in your life that the people with the most experience, the most wisdom, the ones with all the answers, are the ones who have the smallest voice. People will dismiss uh, an older person because what do they know? Right. Well, what they know is everything. So I thought, I'm going to create this character who is old and smart and funny and loud and will say precisely what's on her mind even if it makes you uncomfortable and yeah. that's where she came from because you spoke at one of the um the nova scotian film uh rallies right yes. uh, as mary morrison yes like did you think that it was easier to speak as her as opposed to bet that they they asked actually if i would do that character uh, for that day they said well they gave i talked to jonathan torrance yeah. actually and he said you know, you could do it as yourself or in the character or whatever. And uh, I think the suggestion was it might be 
a better idea yeah, to do. Fun. That's yeah. where it landed anyway. But I was so angry that day. I ended up throwing the character just sort of went away, and I thought, "Why are you wearing the outfit? She's no longer here." <laughs> it was anyway. I feel like her voice was just, to change back to yours. Yeah, it was back to me. But it was uh, that was emotionally a very uh, intense day. Yeah. Where where are things at right now with the um, tax credit? Well, the way it sits now, it's very very difficult to access the money from what I can gather. I'm yeah. not the best person to ask, but it's, it's a, still just complicated. Yeah. Everything was working before, yeah. and then with no consultation <clears throat> with anyone in the industry, they, they basically just took it away and gutted the yeah. industry. So insulting. I think like insulting. the community here Good was Lord. such a uh, booming and yes. buzzing and people were buying houses and moving here. Yes. And then out of nowhere, they just... And of, had a great reputation nationally yeah. and internationally. Yeah. And these guys just, they come in, somebody uh, compared them to a bunch of young drunk guys who say, oh, let's try, let's do this. Oh, we blew it up. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, no consideration. It was just so stupid. Yeah. No, it's, anyway. it's frustrating. I get it. Oh, my God. I get it. My but family you, won't even bring it up anymore because they're afraid I'll start talking about it. But you're very um, prolific in, in fighting for rights and you, you step up. Like, you do a lot of charity work as well. So you're not somebody that sits back and goes, oh, well, I wish I could change things. You actually <laughs> jump in and you change things. Well, we do, you know, just like everybody, we do our we do our thing. I think you do a little yeah. bit more than most. <laughs> like, you, because I know you did a bunch of charity events in Cape Breton, right? You did yes. one for... Um, there's a there's a child hunger issue there. There's um, over thirty percent child poverty rate, in Cape which Breton. is in Cape Breton, which is astounding. Yeah, and the United Way of Cape Breton decided that they were going to do a series of fundraisers. So basically, we're involved in that, and you uh, they wanted to drop a, a percentage point in the next five years. The first fundraiser. What the, our goal was a hundred thousand dollars for the night. If we can make a hundred thousand dollars, then we can drop make a difference. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up with two hundred and forty thousand dollars for that night. So that's a very Cape Breton thing, you know. I got to tell me, you, like I know we me too. It's so lovely that a community like that comes together that the way. The small community, and then a few months later, the Fort Mac thing happened. Yeah. And once again, you know. Phone calls are made. The stage is filled with talent from Cape Breton, and two hundred and sixty thousand dollars is raised for Fort Mac. Amazing. Just you know, within this couple of months, from a place where unemployment is very high, yeah. where there's a high poverty rate, and it's astounding. I mean, you know, there's not another place like it. Yeah, I feel. No wonder you, know. you wanted to stay. I never in ever wanted to live anywhere but Cape Breton. Yeah. I don't know why I understood that that was important way back then, but it was and is. Yeah. What do you think it is about Cape Breton that has that kind of full heart? Because everybody I meet who is from Cape Breton, I automatically love. Like, there's yeah. an airline stewardess on WestJet, and she was like, I'm from Cape Breton. I'm like, I love you. Like, I just know <laughs> she's fantastic. You've been in great there. Oh, it, it seems like such a great community. What do you it think? Is. What do you think it is about that place? I've asked that question a lot, you know, about Cape Breton because yeah. it is a tough one to understand. I don't know. There is there is an island mentality, I suppose. Yeah. You know, you look after each other, you entertain each other. I think that's why there are so many performers, so much music from so there. So much music, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's a tremendous amount of natural beauty there. Mm -hmm. It's inspiring. It's like they value what they've got. Yeah. Well, isn't that typical, though? People who don't have a hell of a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, and there's a lot of music, as you said, like, music was a big part of your family. Yep. Growing up, and still is. You sing, and you're... Yeah. uh, My niece, Charlotte, just last night did a... A jazz show. I don't know where this comes it's from. It's amazing. Yeah. Jazz, We in our house, you could hear traditional uh, Cape Breton music, you know, fiddles and pianos and whatnot. But there was also uh, classical music and jazz and all of it. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. Yeah. It was always music in the background in our house. Yeah. I love that. I, love I do, that. too. They said, I read an article that. that said, you're the uh, Canadian bet. Like, people talk about Bette Midler, but you're the Canadian bet. That <laughs> nobody needs to know your last name, even. So, well, I don't know. Yeah. No, but I know you, you're, like, a big fan of the Bette Midler and the oh, yeah. Judy Garland and everything else. I love all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Hmm. I think just seeing it as a kid. I mean, imagine, you know, the first time you see Judy Garland. She's, like, the most wonderful thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. You've got to love all that stuff, too, right? I do, but I think they were... I still... I didn't find them um, approachable. Like, I thought mm-hmm. they were such monster talents that I couldn't even I couldn't even stand next to them wow you know whereas somebody like I don't know oh maybe it's the jokers too like somebody I see Carol Burnett and things like that I'm like oh I bet we'd get along great (laughs) because we have jokes but what's last time you went to New York we went a few months ago a couple of months ago yeah just to infuse some yeah we go we go to shows every night yeah that were there I love it love it so much what did you see last time the last time we saw uh, Fiddler on the Roof, mm-hmm. Danny Burstein, who was incredible, it was fabulous. Um, we saw one of the, one of the best things I've ever seen in New York was Fun Home. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, we, we were talking about this oh on set the other day. What do you think was about that show that you you connected with? Uh, God, I don't know. I love a, a small story as opposed to a big epic-y thing. You know? yeah. And this was a small story about a family. And we were very close. It was a circle in the square. We were very close to it. We were three rows up from the stage. And it was the, the it was performed so beautifully. There was this eight or ten piece orchestra at the end edge of the stage. And I love that. It was so intimate. The music was so good. The book was beautiful. And we were leaving the theater. I said to Maynard, you know, well, there's no no need to write a musical now because it's been done. <laughs> but don't you find that... <laughs> it was like, Did that cause you moments of despair to have that? Because you actually, guys write music all the time. You, you write like a yearly musical, basically. Yeah, but we... Um, uh, not like that. Right. Oh my God, that was so... It was so powerful. And you have to know that people are seeing your show and thinking the same thing. I hope... Well, that's nice. That I hope so. They say they come. They keep coming. Yeah, we like knock wood. Yeah, I never assume that they're going to. I know. So it's always a delight when people show up. But how do you get past that kind of like, okay, that musical's done. How like what am I going to do that's similar to that? Like, do you find that defeating or do you find it inspiring? It's an, always <clears throat> inspiring. Always, I think there's um, um, there's a danger in comparing yourself to somebody too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very I think that's an exercise that will get you nothing. Yeah. If you want to suck the joy out of something. Yeah. You, know, you don't do that? 
Well, I, I think I don't think it's wise to do it. Yeah. I think I'm trying to. I think over the years I've tried to sort of train myself not to do that. It's hard though, right? We're in yep. an industry where we want to work. Yep. So you see somebody that's doing, you're like, I want to do that. Yeah. Did you find yourself doing that a lot as a uh, in your younger days of this career? I don't think I did it a whole lot. No. I knew that I knew that I was uh, uh, different but not necessarily in a good way. I thought I was going to have a bigger... <laughs> I really thought that. I thought that I was going to have a bigger struggle. You know, because yeah. I wasn't... I didn't look like Shirley Temple. Right. You know, I was... I didn't... You know, I always felt like an oddball. Right. And then it was only as I got older that I realized that that was an, adva- an advantage yeah. and not a disadvantage. But it took a lot of years yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, that's true. When you realize whatever you are is enough. Yeah, yeah. And, and fantastic. Yeah. Did you have um, like mentors and heroes growing up? Yes. Yeah. Aside from the ones that I didn't know, the ones that I just like the saw on screen. Yeah. Aside from those, there were two people, Harry and Liz Boardmore. He came from Stoke-on-Trent, England, and she from the south uh, uh, shore of Nova Scotia, and. Professors, both English professors, and uh, he, Harry taught a drama course and film course. And we started out as their students, and then as we got older, we all became friends, and they became very, they were like family to us eventually. Wow. But they were, oh my God. What was it about them that, that They were inspiring. You? They were, they came to Cape Breton, and they started doing the Shakespeare's, and, you know, the great plays, like Virginia Woolf and all the, um, you know, all the great, great plays. And not for a moment did they ever, did any of the students who were in these shows ever feel that they were underqualified to do it. I love that. And the writers, they got behind the writers in an incredible way, you know. They, they, they basically taught us that uh, our voices were extremely important and that it was not only our right, but our responsibility to make ourselves heard. Yeah. Yeah, I would say... How ever... valuable that yeah. was to all of us, you know, over decades. Because I come from where I come from, everything is about... I want, when we started writing shows, I wanted um, very much to give the... Cape Breton perspective on world ideas. Yeah. So it was, I think it all started right there. Yeah. I am an East Coast Canadian woman, and I've got this to say about that. Yeah. And and we feel a great uh, sense of satisfaction being able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're very, I mean, the Cape Breton's so you, like in so many different ways, right? It started your heart and inspired you. Yeah, home of my heart, Cape Breton. You'd never leave. No. What happens no. if you got like a huge, what happens if somebody said, move to New York, we want you on a series that's going to go five years? I would absolutely do that, and but I would back. still live here in, in Cape Breton. I would, uh, I will have to go and work. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So there's always that. And after I've been home for a little while, I have to leave. Oh. And just go somewhere else and experience. You know, yeah. Go to it's, it's New York for us. Just yeah. go and be in the city for a while, then come back and love Cape Breton again. Yeah, you got to fill up the creative tank. Yep. And that uh, happens when I come to work with you know with all of y'all. Yeah, hanging in Halifax with my buds. It's so great. Yeah. Do you remember when you got this gig, the Mister D gig? I didn't. Re- yes, I didn't realize. Uh, 
what it, that it was going to be this big. Yeah. But I remember the phone call. Did you audition for it? Uh, I think when I, now this is what I'm remembering, okay. but I'm great at revisionist history. I was, um, I, Mike phoned, yeah. Mike Volpe phoned, and said that they were working on the, you know, they working on this show, and it's Jerry, and uh, he mentioned the role of the, of the secretary. And I think he said, we want you to, we want you to read for it. He said, everybody's reading for it. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. And, uh. And I remember saying to him, uh, you know, thanks for thinking of me for this. And he said, it was, it was Jerry, actually, who thought of you for it. Like, oh, all right. Oh, thanks. Well, hell with you then. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I was so glad, yeah. you know. So I thought, I remember thinking, I might have even said it to Maynard, this is out of the blue because I didn't think I would be getting one of these jobs again. Right. You know, in television. And yeah, it's perfect for you. Like, I can't oh, think of God, anybody else. Oh, my God, I love else. it. I love it. And what about what's next? Like, do you have projects outside of acting that you're excited about that you're outside of acting yeah like outside of is there an outside oh, yeah. of acting no no this is what I wanted to get to eventually but like do you have anything because <laughs> we get so focused it's also like I think as artists it's easy for it all to be consuming yes but like do you have anything else that you, I know you love your dogs and you yes. have this lovely home do yeah. you have something a project that you're going home to that's not our project uh, currently involves our two old small dogs so they're like little old babies. Yes. <laughs> they're both, oh my God, our place is a zoo. I would have 10 dogs if we could. Yeah. But sensible Maynard, who has a rap party for everything, yes. is yes. sensible enough to say, please, let's wait a little while before we get more. Because the two that we have now, are they're both on medication. <laughs> we always tell people, we go to work every day so we can pay vet bills yeah, and buy dog right? food. But they're little old guys, you know, they're on their... <laughs> oh. It's a zoo. But you, it's just a zoo. You used to have, like, how many... How, what's the most you've had as far as dogs go? Uh, four dogs and a cat yeah. has been the most. Um, and they just own us. It's not like we're really good at training them, right? <laughs> they just own us. <laughs> I know, I love your, your story of... Um, you're a dog that's always watching you take allergy medication. Oh, she, oh yeah, that's Roxy. She's the Shih Tzu. She, she's a very mild mannered, gentle little dog who just wants whatever you have. Mm -hmm. So if I'm taking allergy pill, the voice I hear, Roxy's voice, to my mind, sounds like a like a very soft voice. So if I'm taking an allergy pill, I'm hearing her saying, "I have allergies." <laughs> I would like one of those. <laughs> so I'm giving, I'm giving them voices now. So. Yeah. I, I think you're so fantastic. I think, like, right back at you her. have such um, integrity with your craft. Oh, thanks. Like, I don't see thanks. you do that things so. that's half-assed. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of half-assery in my I don't see you doing that. it, though. You work so hard, and you, like, you do things to the top of your level, even, like, with all your all the Thank scenes you. we do. You're always like, What's, what could be funnier? And well, you like do that. that all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, it's comedy too, right? Like when you when you are have a character, what's your process for getting into a character? Like getting into either Trudy or your Mary Morrison. Do you mean the development of the character, yeah. or just putting it on? Yeah, like developing and putting it on. Like, how did you find uh, that? The developing I always start with the physical, mm -hmm. and then uh, I get all the physical bits in place, and then go from the outside in, and. Uh, Except in the case of one character I do is a guy. I basically I just took that character for that's my brother Ed. Yeah. We we used to play brothers. 
yeah. Bucky and Wayne, and I basically copied his character. That's entirely his. That's the bar scenes, right, from Bet yeah. Bet Show? Yeah. Where you guys are basically just two dudes hanging two out dudes with your two. sideburns and mustache. And they have no idea how unlikely they are to ever be successful at anything. Yeah. They see themselves as poets and it's fantastic. thinkers. You, know? you play a really good guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's not thanks, easy thanks. to do, and I, I think you do it really well. You're just like, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> the first time I you put on that costume it. where you're like, I'm Ed. <laughs> well, because I was basically doing it. Yeah. And thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But uh, his Bucky is uh, funnier than the Wayne. I realized that, and I'm okay with that. I find myself watching him a lot, you know. You're also one of the most gracious people. Like, the fact that you are you have space for everybody, it's amazing. Oh, well, thanks. Where does that come from? Like, there's so, many, there's so many people that are so competitive in this industry, so it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's refreshing. It's nice to see people well, that are, know, like, good for you, and that's supporting you. And Yeah, well, if, in order for the whole thing to survive, I think we have to be supportive. And the other thing is, that you, um, I think it's important to, re- oh, I don't want to sound preachy, but... Preach. No one's, uh, your success does not ever depend on someone else's failure. It just doesn't. Even if you're both competing for the same role. Yeah. One will get it, one will not, then the next one will happen. The next one will come along. Yeah. If you focus on the one that you didn't get, you know, how is that ever going to serve you? No, you're right. Never. Yeah, here's a question that I love asking people, is how do you, where do you get your confidence from? Like, if you're feeling shaky about something, how do you... Somebody um, said to me that they go out for steaks. They have a big steak really? and that gives them yeah. confidence. Jeez, I You're love like, that. I'm yeah. going to try it. Hey, <laughs> sure. I'm going to try that. Uh, preparation. I'm all, I, I rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and prepare. Yeah. Yeah. I do the work. <laughs> yeah. It's true. That's I, a really... We have a... We have a um, I think, and I also think coming from where we come from, you know, if somebody is paying their hard-earned dollar to come and see you, you flippin' well yeah. better deliver. No kidding. And we learned that very early on. And from the Boardmores, you know, they they preach that to us, you know, that you serve the script and you you do the work. Yeah. And we, we learned that very, very well from them. I can't wait to see what you do next. I think I you're just a powerhouse. Right and then maybe one day there'll be something we do together again. That would be awesome. Now, Mr. D's not over, but it'd be a treat. It's yeah. a treat. Yeah. Anytime, girl. Thanks, Beth. Anytime. All right, now I have some questions for Oh, you. yeah, please. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. I knew this was going to be a pleasure, and it oh, was. so great. Well, what can I say? I love her. It's Beth McDonald. Don't you just love her? She's just such a real, open, honest, hardworking, and funny. Funny. She's so funny. She always has a joke up her sleeve. Always. And I love her for that. Uh, You have to go and pick up her book, Mary Morrison's Cape Breton Christmas. It's fantastic and funny. And I know she just recently went on Facebook under Bette McDonald, so go find her there too. Now don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Firecracker Department. That's Firecracker, D-E-P-T. Or find us on Facebook. Join the conversation, join the department. Who knows, you may just get that parking spot closer to the front door. That would be cool. Okay, now go out there, get inspired, or be inspiring. Bye.